Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never, ever about food or weight. Never, ever. Not even. One time. Not ever. Ever, ever. Hello, everyone. This is Laura Lee Rourke from It's Not About Food podcast. And today I'm going to be talking about the Body Love card Holistic. And the front of the card is the goddess is juggling all these balls in the air, <laughs> sort of like an idea of holistic, of it's not just one thing that you're dealing with. You're dealing with a lot of different things. And she's doing a pretty good job of juggling and her little deer animal is sitting next to her and being with her as she does that. And the back of the card reads, holistic means looking at ourselves in a way that includes our entire being, taking each part of ourselves into consideration. When we stop measuring ourselves by how we look, how thin we are, or how much weight we've lost, we can begin to embrace all of our physical, emotional, and spiritual parts of ourselves. We move beyond the goals of having a certain body type and into the integrity and magic of the recovery process itself. So that's all to say that there's a wonderful person who I have on today who I feel has always embodied this idea of holistic healing, holistic living, and has done such a wonderful service for the world at large especially around eating disorders. And I'm really glad to have Deborah on today. And I'm going to introduce her and she can talk about who she is and what she's been doing. And we'll just have a conversation about the idea of being holistic. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for doing this. I did actually listen to some of the other recordings just to see, oh, okay, what's it like? And what do people do and say? And that was moving and slightly intimidating. Like, oh man, they all sounded so professional, but oh well, here I am. And you will too. And what's relieving is I don't have to be perfect. I can just show up as who I am. And that feels like it's embodied in this card. Absolutely. So the idea of holistic, being holistic, not only in recovery from an eating disorder or for you working with somebody with an eating disorder, but also just the holistic living. How do we do that? What do we need to do to be able to do that? And I love the image you sent me the other day because there's layers and layers of what this is about. Yeah. A couple things I think to mention. One, because I've been remembering back in preparation for this talk, I was remembering back to when the only way I had of measuring my worth was how thin I was or how rigidly I could stick to whatever diet plan I was obsessed by at the moment. And as certain ways into recovery, I started having this fear, uh-oh, is there going to be no way to feel like I'm growing or moving or changing or doing anything that feels valuable or exciting yes. 
if I'm not doing this anymore. And so happily, my life has grown richer and broader and vaster so that the answer to that question was an enthusiastic yes. There are plenty of ways still to grow and change and deepen and evolve and contribute and whatever. The other image that came to mind was there was someone whose dissertation committee I was on and her study was how to work with moms and girls who were at risk. And it was eight to 11 year old girls. They were either at risk because the mom was preoccupied with what they were or weren't weighing or because the pediatrician started getting freaked out about what they weren't weighing. And so it was a dual program. One of the groups was for the girls, the eight to 11 year old girls. And one of the groups was for the moms to help them work with their own body shame and body hatred stuff so that they least minimized passing it along. And one of the exercises that was happening in the girls group was to create a mobile of who I am. Wow. All they had was a, a wire hanger, some string and 12 index cards, and they could make the strings various lengths and write different things on the cards, but only one was allowed to be about weight or body image. <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> had to come up with 11 other ways of describing themselves. Oh. And it could be- I love that. How to be a good friend, I can keep our secrets. Or I know how to kick a ball hard playing uh, kickball. Or I really love music. I'm learning how to play the piano or whatever. But they had to come up with 11 other ways of saying who they were. Wow. Aside from body image or anything about appearance. Right. And it really put into writer balance. That's one element, how tall we are, how short we are, what color our hair is, you know, whatever. But it's only one element of many. Right. So I loved that exercise. I love that. But that whole idea of what we weigh and what we look like has taken all the air out of the room of so many young girls. I'm thinking about a book that I read many years ago. I think it was called The Diaries of Young Girls. And she went back and looked at diaries from all the way like in the 1900s. And they would say, I want to be a better person. I want to go to school. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a mother. I want to be a nun. And that's what their diaries were about. And then fast forward to the diaries at the time when she was writing the book. And it was, I want to be a size zero. I want to... <laughs> I want to have long hair. It wasn't any more about who they were as people. It was about what they look like. And that was the whole book was like, look, it's what's happening to our young girls. And it was just phenomenal. I'm going to have my young peer educators do this exercise because they've got this down. And I know that they'll come up with a lot of stuff, but it's a really wonderful exercise to give anyone, really. Yes, absolutely. The little drawing that I sent you, one of the main differences between the focus on this drawing and the focus of what we look like, if we're preoccupied with what we look like in the mirror, look like to others, we're giving the locus of control of our worthiness to something outside of us. I just had a a bunch of elements on this image. It might be different elements for other people. But for me, it was an invitation. Okay, how do I 
tune in inside and discern where am I in right balance? Where am I out of right balance? And so it has things like ability to give, ability to receive. Where am I on that spectrum? And I certainly have been guilty of uh, compulsive need to prove and giving too much and blah, 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 but I've gotten in right or balance on that front. Or similarly, openness to self-experience on one end of the pole and awareness of surroundings on another. I grew up pretty hypervigilant, worrying about whether I was going to get in trouble, whether I was going to get yelled at, whether my mother was happy, unhappy. There was a lot of focus outward, and it wasn't until really my eating disorder recovery years that I began to explore internal experience and becoming open to internal experience. And then there are a bunch of other polls. But the point of the exercise with my little schematic here is how do I tune in? How do I tell? How do I listen inside whether I'm in or out of right balance, even in terms of things like work versus play? Yes, of course. Balance and how do I tell? And so that's One of the things I've been playing with recently and expanding at three tiers, one is internal, like how do we listen to ourselves and our bodies to tell and our spirits to tell whether we're in right balance inside and then interpersonally, how do we tell if we're in right balance interpersonally, you know? Am I giving too much? Am I giving too little? Am I trying too hard to control? Am I not taking up enough space? How do I tell that interpersonally? And then the thing that probably has me most passionate at the moment is systemically. Like, how did we get so out of right balance with Mother Earth that we just raped and pillaged her resources rather than retaining the kind of empathic attunement that once upon a time indigenous peoples had, goddess cultures had. We were in sync with Mother Earth at one point in time. And needless to say, the consequences we're seeing are about having gotten too far out of right balance. And with people and with other species. That's right. And even take what we've been dealing with the last year, the whole COVID thing is completely out of balance. We're not in balance at all. And I feel like right now we're trying to get some balance back by getting the vaccines and putting on our mask and staying apart from people and doing the best that we can. And even then people are saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to put on a mask. I'm not going to get a vaccine. I'm not doing any of that. And so how do we bring that person into some sort of balance with the rest of us? Just as a, may you live in interesting times. I think about that all the time. (laughs) This is a very interesting time that we're living in. Well, and even in that example, the balance between individual rights and the well-being of the whole. How did our individual rights get so out of right balance so that we can should get to do whatever we want, no matter who it hurts? I know. The thing that I got early on, the mask is not really for me. It's for others. It's my care of others that I'm going to wear this mask. And I don't think that is said often enough because people are like, they're still about me. Anyway, so we're really getting to see 
the underbelly of the beast in so many different ways about this. And how do we stay holistic within ourselves with all of this messiness? And putting things in proportion. There are, how anonymous to be, but part of my own recovery involved 12-step programs. So I'll just say it generically like yeah. that. And there's one of the 12-step programs that has to do with recovery in this realm that says turning to our higher power or our higher purpose. And the idea being, if I can truly align with maybe I'm here to offer something bigger than being a size whatever, can we attune to and align with something bigger than just me and what you were saying about the mass and people being too stuck in me and are being stuck on self-image as being the only thing we can see about what we can contribute to the world just so heartbreaking. Storygram Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm... When you're whining with nurses. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed. Storygram Network. Yes, and I too am in a 12-step program for a very long time. And I can remember what you were talking about before is I got sober and I remember my very first meeting sitting there and going, well, now I'll never have any more fun. (laughs) I was 28 years old. I'm going to be 70 this year, so it's been a long time. And I've had a lot of fun since then. (laughs) But I didn't think I would ever have any fun anymore, even though my drinking at that point was no fun. It was no fun for me. It was no fun for anyone around me, but it was what I knew. And it's like with the eating disorder, I felt like if I gave it up, I would just be as big as a house or I would just die without it. I couldn't not have it. And when I had to learn, oh, my body has its own rhythm, my body has its own holistic attitude. And I'm not in charge of it, which I always thought I was, but I'm not really. Well, and looking back, when I think about what was really wrong, when at age two and age five, I was desperately turning to food as if my life depended upon it, or when I was desperately dieting as if my life depended upon it, and then later in college became bulimic, and I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know what was wrong. There weren't words for what was wrong, except that I was desperate and had no tools. Those were the only tools I could think of, and there was help. Nobody, at least in my immediate circle, said when I came home from my grandparents having been there for three weeks when I was five, and I'd never met them before, but my brother was getting born and he was in intensive care because he was premature or whatever. And I turned to food as if it were like the glue to hold my terror together. That's all you had. So the holistic approach was what emerged during the course of recovery, like, okay, what's really going on? What do I need to 
address? What feelings do I need to learn how to tolerate rather than frantically fleeing to food to try to glue myself together? But when we're little like that, we don't have those tools. And really, when you think about how smart we were to come up with something that did work like food or like fantasy or like, I don't know what, you know, millions of ways that little kids cope pretty smart because the alternative is you have to leave the planet and they don't want to do that, but they know they can't live on their own. I knew I couldn't say, I'm moving down the street. I had no way to do that. (laughs) I'm not going to my grandparents for three weeks. That's not going to happen. No, we had to just go along to get along. So good. You saved your own little life at that point by doing that. And to me, that is looking at it as a holistic, what can I do to keep myself alive. And maybe some of them work better than others. They're all necessary. You know, I think of myself, I'm a big bowl of a lot of things that worked before. A lot of them don't work anymore, but they're still there. God, I didn't cut that part of my brain out. I still have it there. I can still drink tomorrow if I want to. I'm not probably going to do that, but I really only have one day to not. And I think the other reason this card spoke to me was one of the main modalities of therapy that I do these days is IFS, which is internal family systems. And even if I hadn't formally studied that yet in the 1970s when I was in recovery, intuitively I got the value of trying to ask inside, okay, what part of me wakes up in the morning and says, I'm not going to do this again. Mm. And what part of me takes over by clock in the morning, such and such a clock in the afternoon or whatever, racing toward the only coping mechanism I know. And what do I need to learn about like that binger part of me or the one that came out after that, the purging part of me? What do I need to learn about how that part of me was trying to help what the goal of that part of me was, which was absolutely to help me survive, how that part can be unburdened from that responsibility, how that part can unburden from some of its history so that I can grow in healthier coping skills and kinder coping skills. As you're talking, you know, to me, what you're describing is a part that I didn't have until I had support to think about that because by myself i just thought i was awful the reason why i have this fill in the blank issue with alcohol or drugs or cigarettes or relationships or money or food and weight was because i was not okay it never occurred to me until somebody else pointed that out oh you didn't know what else to do but do that and You helped yourself through hard times by doing that. At first, I didn't even want to hear that because I'd have to completely change my attitude about myself, which I didn't realize I could. But yeah, you're talking about asking yourself these questions. What am I doing by doing this? What am I trying to get? I know for me, I had to have somebody outside of myself ask those. I didn't feel like I had that inside of me. I didn't know that I could do that. Well, and that's part of what's been so moving to me over the decades about support groups, therapy groups, 12-step groups is not only a safe place to share, but also 
a safe place among other folks dealing with similar issues so that often there would be the experience of, I, I, I just put into words something that I hadn't had words for. It really resonates. And I feel like your legacy, your personal legacy, is you have been putting this out diligently for years of there is help and here it is. And there's this and there's this and there's this and there's this. And it has been phenomenal to watch somebody who has done that. And I'm pretty sure you're not being paid like the big bucks to do it. (laughs) But it is your legacy and you have done it. It's a beautiful thing you've done all these years. Well, thank you. And it feels like it's because of having received the gift of recovery that I absolutely want to give back. Yeah. I get that. And I think everybody gets that. So if you think about yourself as this little girl at some point going, oh, my life is going to just go to hell. (laughs) What if you could go in and talk to her when she was sitting on the bed going, what would you say to that young girl? Depends on the image that I'm calling up, but I have in fact that. So there's one image of me desperately afraid of the grandmother, afraid to even speak honestly, like there would be terrifying questions she would ask that I didn't know how to answer because I didn't know what they meant. You know, wasn't able to speak in, you know, five-year-old words. And what I've done is taken the little girl by the hand, given her courage. And in that instance, it was to encourage her to just say, Grandma, I don't know what you're asking. Could you say it in different words? Oh, yes. The permission to be herself, the encouragement to bear the vulnerability of not knowing rather than frantically feeling like she had to pretend like she knew, even though she didn't. I have done that myself and gone back and told this little person, you know, this is going to be over. This is like one tiny piece of your life. You live in Sonoma. You have a car. You have kitties and dogs and things are pretty good. This too shall pass. I feel like a lot of times that's what I am actually telling my clients. If this is one little part, it's a big part because it's a big issue, but it is only one small part of yourself, like your mobile. It's only one tiny piece of yourself. And let's see what else there is and what else is going to happen for you. And I think that was another encouraging thing about having community in the course of recovery. Like when I first came in, I didn't believe there was a chance in a million that I would get to recovery because I kept trying and failing and trying and failing and having good intentions when I woke up and having fallen off the wagon by three and whatever. And yet week in, week out, week in, week out, there were people with more recovery who were saying, it's okay. You'll get there one baby step at a time. And it did. It took me years. But I eventually was able to get to the place of being able to say, I know in my bones that recovery is possible and it's scary, it's hard, and there are phases where you don't think it's going to be possible. And yet it is. And yet it is. And you already are there. 
to even be asking these questions. Like the moment you decided to pick up the phone or look online or do whatever it is, boom, you're on the path. So beautiful. And is there anything that you would like to put out in the universe about what you're doing and how people can get a hold of you if they would like to hear more about your thing? APTED, which is the Association of Professionals Treating Eating Disorders, has had many evolutions over the course of the last nearly 30, oh, I guess over 35 years, because we began in 85. And at some points, we had a training program and a low-fee clinic and so forth. That came and went. So I'm not doing that at present. But there certainly are people that I supervise. There certainly are people that I train, even if it's just one or two here or there. As I alluded to before, the main thing that I'm working on at the moment, and it's not yet to a functional website, but a website that's going to be called Finding Right Balance. There's a portion of it that's about within oneself. How do we find right balance? There's a portion that has to do with interpersonally. How do we find a a balance, whether in a couple relationship or any other kind of intimate relationship, the balance of giving and taking and no power over type relationships or other healthy variations on the theme. And then the final one that's probably becoming the larger one is how do we get ourselves back into right balance systemically? What do we need to do differently vis-a-vis other humans, other groups of humans, other species, and on the planet itself, so that things can evolve toward a writer balance. And I've been really searching and seeking to try to understand, okay, what is it about human nature that has tilted us so badly toward war and violence and power over relationships and racism and misogyny and patriarchy and colonialism, all these awful kind of manifestations of power over as opposed to what I find really valuable and important, and it's like tradition one in the 12 steps, our common welfare must come first. How can we embrace that as a goal? And whether on a planetary level or just on a community level, what do we need to bring into writer balance? So that's not a website that exists yet in my bio. <laughs> I can certainly give a email and a phone number or whatever. That's the main thing that's going on. And, and APTED's website is in the midst of being rebuilt because the technology was too old and it broke. It's being rebuilt to at least offer referral information and networking information. Great. We're still doing the newsletter most weeks, or as you say, sometimes only twice a month, but just offering information for anyone in the eating disorder world to know about trainings that are coming up or groups that are opening or treatment centers that exist, things like that. I love what you're saying. I think as we get older, I feel like I have gotten a lot better about thinking of the whole instead of just one little piece because I was trying to go to work every day or I was trying to whatever. And now, as I'm probably going to be leaving the planet sooner than later, I should say, I want to make sure that I get my two cents in about 
what we're doing to the planet and what's important. And I think good for us, good for you for working on this and thinking about it. And the website sounds wonderful. And I really love the whole idea of right balance because we have been so out of balance. And the last four years, they've been so hard on us who are trying to live a, I don't know, an authentic life. It's been very hard to watch it. Yeah. And yet it's exposed in more egregious relief than we ever saw before. Yeah. More badly things were out of right. Yeah. And that it's always been there and we just didn't see it or didn't want to see it. I knew it, but I did know it. It wasn't in my face every day. Would you mind reading the today I will practice at the bottom of the card? Today I will practice remembering that my recovery is holistic. When I notice I am measuring my progress or worth in weight or looks, I will remember that this is not the true measurement of myself. And I will find other ways to acknowledge my growth. Oh, you know, when Carol and I made these cards, I often say to her, that sounds so great. Who wrote that? You might have, or I might have, but one of us did because it, and when I hear you say it, it sounds, wow, that is so great. (laughs) So when I notice I'm measuring my progress or worth with my waiter looks or how much money I have or whatever. It's just not who I really am. It's so great that you were here today to talk about this. Thanks again for inviting me and thanks for sending me the cards. Oh, I'm so glad you liked them. Lovely and wonderful sentiments. Thanks and have a good day. And I'll see you on the road of happy destiny. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you for listening. You can find me on all the social medias at It's Not About Food. And if you would like to get the show a week early and ad free, you can become a member at Patreon. Search It's Not About Food podcast. Thanks so much.